The PhD is an adventure, an odyssey into knowledge for which you must prepare. If you want tips, news, and a little humor about the PhD and about career readiness, that's what I bring you here on the PhD Dojo. Here you'll find everything to be a black belt at the PhD and beyond. Welcome to the Dojo. We've decided with David to do a reverse interview. From this topic, I do know anything about it. And I have a lot of questions for David. I think he's more knowledgeable um, than me. So, uh, so we'll go from that. So it's uh, Papa PhD and Second Lab PhD Dojo. Um, I'm sure you know what is Beyond the Scissors with Papa PhD because uh, this is your audience, David. And what's the Second Lab? So the Second Lab is a non-for-profit organization. Uh, we are based in Quebec, in the Quebec province. Um, and uh, but we 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 have we are working with uh, student uh, research centers, uh, research organization everywhere in Canada, but mostly in the Quebec province these days. Uh, but we are based everywhere in Canada uh, online. And um, and we, what are we doing? We empower uh, early career scientists to um, for their career and to have a, an impactful, uh, um, positive impact for the society. This is uh, our mission. But basically, we help them to get the jobs. So uh, we are delivering programs, uh, workshops, um, a mentorship, uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, it's growing up. Uh, so uh, we are very happy for that. I think it's good to reintroduce the second lab. Uh, you have a great uh, program of helping young uh, researchers, be it PhD, masters, postdoc. I have met some of them. I, uh, I'm in your mentorship program too, um, which is great to be uh, to be giving back to the community through that. Um, yeah, were well, you going to ask something? Yeah, let's go on the topic. Yeah, the topic: cognitive dissonance. Maybe people. People now are feeling cognitive dissonance about what's happening with mm -hmm. the show, but yeah. uh, it's it's the first one of 2024. But yes, cognitive dissonance. When you when you proposed that subject to me, I found it very interesting because there there is one angle to cognitive dissonance that's really uh, interesting to me in this context of being in academia, thinking about your career, uh, thinking about the, your future, your professional future. Um, and I think, and, I, and I'm fairly sure from all the conversations that I've had and all the students that I've crossed, that there is a lot of distress and anxiety about your professional future. And I propose that it's a lot of it comes from some aspect of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So, David, can you define what is cognitive dissonance? Well, uh, an example that I've heard uh, recently is, for example, you know, meet someone who, let's say, says that they're vegan, right? And you know them for a while, and then you meet them at a restaurant, and they're eating, uh, you know, a, a big meat burger. And in that moment, in your brain, there's a conflict between what you know, what you believe, and what reality is throwing at you, and that throws us off balance. Of course, it's also part of living and learning. Some cognitive dissonance is what makes us understand new things, create new routines, reshape our 
reality tunnel, let's call it like that. Um, but when it's uh, above a certain level and when it's chronic uh, in a certain uh, context, and the one that interests us here is your career, you know, minding your career project, your life project on the professional side when you are in grad school and, and when you are in academia, well, it can become a hindrance, it can become unhealthy. Yeah, I heard another example, uh, like the the people who think that uh, we are in environmental crisis, like we all thinking about it, and uh, it's pretty frightening. But uh, you know, I'm taking my car every day, so <laughs> and and I'm I'm not the only one. Uh, people buy very big cars, uh, they take the plane, continue to take a plane, but still very sensitive about the the the, the environmental crisis. So. And and they rethink about it like, well, I'm not the only one to do that. Um, <laughs> they still, yeah. and that's the accommodation you can accommodate to some cognitive dissonance that you live with for sure. We're all human, and, and it's it's uh, I think a reality for all of us. But some of them can really can really throw you off balance and be deleterious to to you in a way. So finally, to be in in the the academic setup, um, and specifically for PhD. How do you see the cogn the cognitive resonance there? Dissonance so the, there. the dissonance, yes. Uh, what what I see, uh, and what I'd like to tackle is, and I'm going to bring up an expression that a mentor of mine uses uh, has used often, and and each time kind of surprises me when he uses it, uh, which is why why live in a, a culture of or when you can live in a culture of and. And what do I mean by this? What I mean by this is that once you get into academia, you get this feeling of, oh, I got, I'm got, I got into this family, I got into this new reality, um, and now this excludes a bunch of stuff. This excludes me uh, selling things. This excludes uh, me being in the rat race for promotions uh, in the corporate space, uh, and it excludes me being part of a lot of the, uh, you know, job hunting, etc. Game, for example. And then eventually it evolves to a kind of a dislike or an aversion for these things that we just said, that everyone that's outside academia naturally goes through. So it's, it's, it's a way to make for yourself reasons why you, you feel this way. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in academia, so I'm, I'm living in a lab. I'm, I'm living in a lab. No, I don't live in a lab in academia, but you spend, some people have a, have a couch. But <laughs> Andrew Huberman from the Huberman, uh, show, the Huberman Lab podcast said uh, in an interview with Rick Rubin that he, uh, uh, when he moved labs, lived for a long time in his lab. So some people do live in their labs. Yes, so, so you almost live in the lab and uh, you are in this uh, you spend your day to do experiments you are with your friends who are also phd candidate master candidates postdocs uh, your professor is there uh, you have a, a stipend which is pretty low more or less depending uh, depending on where you're doing your, your phd but it's low and so you're not um, putting money aside for your home or for your retirement at that point. Yeah, exactly. And these days is very difficult. So, um, um, <clears throat> and finally, you've you've never seen the, the end of this PhD. And even if you see the end of this PhD, it's not totally the end. So, so finally, you are in a in a 
I don't like to say that this is the ivory tower, but, but in the context of cognitive dissonance, it's it's a little bit like that. So you have walls, and uh, you don't want to see um, you don't want to see what's going on outside, and you make your reasons. So outside they are like this, we are like that. Yeah. You said you don't want to, and also I th I feel that you are also kind of invited to not think about these things you are invited to give your heart and soul to academia and to the academic exercise uh not you know of course i'm generalizing but as a culture the academic culture tends to to do that you have to you know you have to spend all your precious seconds of your day thinking about this project and thinking about becoming a professor and having a lab eventually etc etc from day one and that and that's actually the challenge is uh that the goal is quite distant from when you especially when you start your phd it's it can be three years if you're in the uk it's not so easy that you can project yourself to the after because you're focused super hyper focused in the now in this tunnel vision of getting these results writing up these articles and getting this thesis yeah and you see that, that the others the, the the context of academia the lab um nurture this kind of feeling and uh is it a group problem or is it individual problem like i no i think it's an it's an a historical a historical problem it comes from behind uh and it's a it's a culture and a group problem so if you are listening and uh, or watching now and you're struggling uh and and stressing and having anxiety about your professional future in the pg it's not you i am telling you right now it's not you most of us who went through graduate school, especially through the PhD, went through some kind of bring the ring to Mordor and come back alive, you know, type thing. <laughs> it's a difficult process. It's a challenge to to all of us. And that's why mental health issue numbers are high in, in, in graduate students. Uh, and I think in academia in general. Then the other thing is, there's a reason also why there's pressure in the system to work like this. Uh, it's because, you know, funding, as you know, uh, God is limited. It's kind of a competition to get the funding that exists. And then there is a system of weeding out uh, of, of part of the pool of, of people that are in the system. And then that trickles down to, of course, graduate students in a way. Um, I don't know if you have a comment on that, but that, that's, that's one way I would answer your question. Yeah, pressure puts uh, a lot of things uh, into, uh, into the... the that system where, well, publish or perish, it's it's still there. Where even if if the things have changed a little bit these years, but uh, um, it's still there. Mainly, uh, uh, the pressure of grants. Uh, there's less and less grants, more and more PhDs and uh, PhD candidates. Let's say the the labs are bigger um, than ten years or twenty years before. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure and, and, and anxiety with this. But David, um, how do you think we should solve the problem? Because cognitive dissonance, we're not expert, but at the end of the day, you have a resolution of that. So, Well, hopefully you do, and you try to have a resolution early on. Um, one, one moment, just to go back a little bit, one moment where you can feel this cognitive dissonance, and it's a typical story of people in graduate school, is the Christmas uh, or whatever holiday season family supper, and then Uncle X asks you, so, still in school? 
you know, and you're doing your PhD. <laughs> when do you get? A, no, when are you yeah. getting a real job? And oh then my God! <laughs> you 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 know this, right? You probably yeah, 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 do it. Yeah, oh my God! What 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 are you doing these days? Can you tell me more about yeah, it? Yeah. When you are you? When are you? <laughs> the, the one that kills you is so. When are you going to be done with this and starting actually working? You know, th that that's a classic. But yes, there there is a way to take care to take care of this and to not suffer from it too much. And this is more and more difficult the earlier and earlier you are in your PhD. That being said, some people I've met are in their first UPHG and already forward thinkers. But what happens is that you have to be conscious that when you start a PhD, somehow you can get this feeling that time has stopped. So my, my cousin is now applying for jobs and, try, and having to interview and then probably having to sell something or sell his time. It's a, I now, I'm now in academia. I entered this bubble where time doesn't move at the same speed right where i'm just and now i'm going to spend infinite time you know and i'm saying the feeling is it's not infinite it's three years four years five years six years but it feels like now i have unlimited time to do this academic thing the real thing is once that timer stops for you uh, in terms of what how you feel there's another one that starts immediately at that time and it's the, the timer of when you are going to defend your thesis once you start the process unless you leave the, the, the PhD, which, is, which happens and is, is normal and is okay, depending on your situation. Once you start, the ticker starts, starts counting of, okay, three years from now, you're going to be depositing a thesis and defending it, and then you'll be ejected out of the graduate school experience. Into academia, hopefully, and for, for a few of you, maybe 20% of you can do that, but for 80%, it's not going to be in academia. So uh, the first exercise is to stop thinking. It, when you're thinking of your career and life project or professional life project, start right away thinking this, the PhD is a chapter in my book that's going to have mm -hmm. as many chapters. So one day I need to close this chapter and start a first one. And I don't want to have, uh, uh, have a blank page syndrome when I start chapter three, let's say, of my life. I want to be ready. So, yes, I'm doing a PhD, but the, the, the arc of my life is larger than that. And I need to stay cognizant of it and start investing in preparing on that side of things. Exactly. So the, the project is not your life you are it, it's not yourself it's um it's um it's it's the project like and the project has a beginning and has a end and finally is it really your project i, I don't want to go there but finally is it is it your professor's project finally <laughs> it's not yours your the professor is only the person that will continue the project except if you become a professor you're not your project your your phd project and and finally you're doing a you're doing a phd but um this is a this is a way to see the phd project is a reasons why to get skilled so it's it's a reasons why to get through the process of research of research and science it's a trampoline for something that comes after be it in academia or not yeah so uh so at the end of the day PhD, it's an opportunity to develop skills. I'm seeing that very positively, not negatively, where I have a, 
a big burden to finish. <laughs> like, uh, so it's it's a way to get skilled um, in a certain way. And yeah, it's an opportunity for yourself to develop your skill. And finally, close the, the, the section of the book and move forward to another, another section of, your, of the book. There's another aspect of cognitive dissonance in terms of your professional career as an academic uh, that I kind of touched upon when I said talking about this family dinner where you're talking with your uncle. But if you look back to your parents, if they are not in academia, what you're doing now doesn't resemble anything they've done professionally. And that's another uh, source of cognitive dissonance and of you can't have real conversation and comparison of my my journey with your journey. Uh, you it's it's tough to explain what you're doing and it's tough to explain what professional progress you're going to have afterwards because you're we even people who are outside academia now don't have professional tracks that are the same as our parents had in the 70s and 80s that's another aspect of cognitive dissonance but i think there's also a way to to tackle that so once once i'm at the end of this process i'm closing this chapter if i've prepared and, and and I can talk about that a little bit, and you can talk about that a little bit, because Second Lab is exactly all about preparing beforehand. Uh, there's ways. There's there's some. There's an exercise that would help in not having being so anxious and not thinking, oh, if I don't hit this target, I'm going to be failing at everything, and and that's one of the sources of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So so you've said like for summarize well um, said that. Okay, we we have to open a little bit of window uh, to see what's going on outside. And um, do you have other tricks, like other kind of solution paths? Um, do you see? One thing to do is uh, to um, resist temptation to be to tunnel vision into your project. And what I mean is, if there are um, seminars. Uh, meet, you know, meetings that are interdisciplinary uh, or interdepartment, go to them, uh, network with the people, the, the academic people, with peers or PIs, etc. Interact with something a little bit out of your own project's uh, domain of study. That's the first step, so academically. Then the thing that I think is really, really powerful today is create a, a profile for yourself on LinkedIn that may, may not be perfect, but that will be there and that you'll grow and improve and and start seeing what are people with who may be alumni from where from where I am doing my PhD, where are they now in society? And and uh, of course, no not everyone's on LinkedIn, but I think the sample is quite <laughs> quite large yeah, and yeah. representative. Um so and and the the, the common aspect to these both both these things is is building relationships with, with people that widen your network a little bit more, a little bit more each month, uh, each quarter, etc. Do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's there's multiple ways to think think about it. Before reaching the people, okay, reaching the people is one way. Like it's very it's very important. Um, networking is very important. I know that it's, it's could be very. Uh, uh, frightening in the beginning um so you you start with people that you know or you can contact an old friend or somebody who were in a 
in um, you were with uh, with them in the in the in the grad uh, in high school could be something starting from that um, but um, but there's another way to think about it is see the project differently uh, more in terms of there's a reasons why your project was founded as a PhD the reasons why is because your project is important as a long-term purpose but what if if so you solve your problems you solve you solve the typical problems but not don't see that only uh, from the science per perspective but from um let's say market perspective so you solve a problem okay what kind of area are you if you are you work in a i don't know uh, in biology or cell culture or things like that if you you can work in engineering in microelectronics um, you can work in social science uh, let's say a uh, psychology of um, uh, a typical populations so you solve a problem have you ever meet the people or have you ever know more about the sector that you would like to change so if it's cell culture do you know the biotech company in your area um there's a lot in montreal for example uh, if you, if it's a psychology of a typical type of population uh, have you ever met this population is there other uh, organization that work with with this problem maybe reach reach out to them so reach out to the people with your your project but from another perspective that could be something like that another great way to to widen the net for sure sylvie lemieux who's watching us is saying create a portfolio that's that's also very important uh today a lot of people are actually uh, people in graduate school in in research departments are starting to actually uh, leverage their own uh, research or an aspect of their research interest on social media, for example. Uh, LinkedIn is another place where people do it too in a different way. But um, yeah, creating a, a portfolio, having something you can that can trace your that people can trace back to to read your work to or to read your production, your content production, whichever it is. Uh, if it's if it's not written, it could be. Uh, on another uh, support that's that's exactly that's exactly true oh yeah it's 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 true like uh, like um, how do you popularize your phd project there's more and more and more and exploding these days like what kind of context you can participate to think your project in another perspective to pitch it in the pitch it in three minutes so uh, there's a lot of contest about it uh yeah and it's always a uh, spring summer that they're they're coming these years uh, context yeah it's coming summer. these years so uh scientific communications uh it's it's a good way to to, to network and 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 talk about uh, your project in another way than a typical uh scientific publications or a typical oral publications uh, it's it's another way to, so there's there's some ways to to see the things in another perspective um yeah one thing that I that I one image that I like, uh, and again, I'm you know I, I mentioned Lord of the Rings before. Now I'm going to go to Marvel. <laughs> but one thing that I an image that I like to to um, to share is the multiverse. When you start your PhD, there's no way to know where you're going to land three, four, five years after. Not exactly, or it's very rare. Maybe someone who already comes with the great work from their masters and they're you know they're really lined up 
to do something, but it's it's quite rare. So I think the other uh, exercise that might uh, help you solve some of the cognitive dissonance and to get rid of some of the anxiety is to a friend who has been on the show, uh, Fiona Robinson, said uh, in her time she was job posting, scrapbooking, if, if it makes sense to you. She was not looking for a job, but she was collecting. As she was go going through her professional journey, she was collecting job postings or parts of job postings that she really liked. And that kind of built the multiverse of where she might be happy professionally in two, three, four, five years. And as a graduate student and as a young researcher, and this, again, I want to say this, maybe it might be in academia. It doesn't have to be outside of academia. The same way as with your, when you're investing your money, you should diversify. Because if you're putting all the eggs in one basket, it might be dangerous for you. So uh, why not uh, um, play with the idea of, okay, I really want to be a professor and have my lab, but let's see what people like me are doing and what could be a great alternate reality for me if that doesn't pan out. I think that's a simple uh, one that you can do little by little as kind of a hobby and that can help you a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we have we a good exercise for that at uh, the second lab. like. And we, we deliver it. The last time we delivered it was, uh, I remember in October, November, I participated to one day a career um, uh, event. And the first exercise we gave is just like, uh, tell me what would be your perfect day in five years. And we, you have one hour. <laughs> and we are there to support you to go through that process of des designing your perfect day in one year um uh, in five years so uh so uh, so that that was funny that was cool uh, and everybody was uh, was good for that so uh yeah and if you're able to detach from all the emotion of now because there's a lot of emotion that, that you can be attached to of what you're doing now that you can be very involved with it and, and it can be difficult to to uh take a step back if you're able to do that and project to after you get your your degree that's going to be very, very helpful. It's a great exercise. Yeah. Do, do you see other stuff? or Right now, this is really the key to me, is when you get into, into academia and into, into graduate school, there is this shift in the way time passes, in the way money flows into your, into your account and out of your account. Uh, there, there, it's a different setting than the non-academic world. But the non-academic world keeps moving forward at a certain pace, um, at a more, let's say, accelerated pace uh, uh, from, from a certain point of view. And I think uh, if you keep an eye out, if you, you know, at the middle of your PhD, start pacing and then jogging and then, you know, and I'm, of course, I'm giving a metaphor for preparing for different possibilities at the end of your PhD, then you won't stumble when you get when you're ejected after you get your degree ejected from graduate school and into the job market which academia is a job market too it in a fast-paced one that and with a lot of competition if you have started jogging and, and doing some of these exercises of enriching and nurturing your networking but also widening your vision of what you could be fulfilled doing the transition is going to be much much smoother you're going to be able to jump onto this fast-going train without uh, stumbling, and and ha and instead of having a full year of 
recalibrating and finding your bearings in a, in a few months you might already have that first job which by the way will be the first of a chain of jobs because that's how things are now so that would be my kind of last uh, last metaphor <laughs> to kind of sum everything up okay i think uh i think it's time to wrap up so uh so cognitive dissonance so there's multiple ways to to solve the, that kind of problems and finally it's uh, open your perspective um in different ways um we've talked about like um networking we've talked about like thinking further your phd and also um connecting with uh, different kind of people uh, starting small but uh but uh, step by step and not just seeing the, the project itself as yourself but uh, seeing the project as something that you have to do and uh it starts from the beginning and there will be an end to that. And and listen to your to your spider sense because cognitive dissonance, you get this weird feeling when it happens and be attuned to it and see, oh, okay, there's a this there's a dissonance here. Is it a healthy one that just wants me to change my way of doing? Or is it one that's a little bit bigger and I need to really manage it and and find why I'm having it? Um, and and for that, you know, uh, it, it it helps talking with people around you, be it your peers or your your support system. If it gets too crippling, let's say in anxiety, don't forget if you're in university that you have the, the mental health services uh, there. If you uh, depending on your on your program, but uh, I think you know it's quite normal to have uh, to have access to uh, access to those services. Don't hesitate to use them. That would be my last 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 thing to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly. So uh I think this is the end of your of our episode. This so, was great. <laughs> that was cool. Um yeah. very different. Yeah. yeah, very different. And um uh, yeah, thank you, David. So well, uh thank you. Thank you, Sylvie, for being uh, in the audience. Uh if you have a story about cognitive dissonance, if you're growing through it. Uh, do write to uh, dissonance at papaphd.com and uh, we'll, uh, I'll see uh, if I can share it, if I can give you a shout out. Um, but it would be great to have some, of, of some community stories to share with all of you so everyone finds and understands that, oh, it's not just me going through this. Uh, it's an, a human uh, and common experience. And the good thing is that we have a, we are a great community, and there's a lot of uh, uh, help out there and goodwill and people uh, like God, like uh, like me, who can uh, who can who, with whom you can talk and discuss. So thank you everyone for this PhD dojo, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. If you like this episode of the PhD dojo. Go to papaphd.com forward slash subscribe and follow the show on your favorite listening platform. And if you have a question that you'd like us to cover on the show, simply write to dojo at papaphd.com. It'll be a pleasure to answer your questions on the show. Thanks again. Happy listening and happy sharing. Happy sharing.